In all my eight years, this message is one that I've had to put into press the past two weeks more than any message I've ever preached. Uh, there are three like major stressors for, for Nathan. There are three major things I like. If these things happen, then he'll get stressed out or he'll get frustrated or he'll get upset or whatever. One of them is financial surprises. I hate being surprised by things that break. Anybody? Right? It's like, oh, man, we do, we're doing good. Like, God, everything's going well. I'm like, oh, no, the car breaks down this week. Oh, we need a new AC unit in the upstairs of the house. That's a great surprise. Right? We just did that a few years ago. Let's pay for another one. That's exciting. Another major stressor for me is not only financial surprises, but sickness. Like, I hate getting sick. Now, some of you, maybe you like it. You're like, oh, I get sick. I get to be left alone in my room all day, and no one bothers me. Uh, I hate it. I cannot stand it. Our family, we have four kids. We're pretty active. We got sports going on. When one person gets sick, sick it like throws the whole thing out of whack. Like the, just the machine doesn't run well. I hate being sick. I got sick last week. We had multiple financial surprises. And uh, there's a third thing that is, you know, major stress for me, but I forgot what it was and I didn't write it down. So it's not important. The point is it also happened. Uh, whatever it was that I thought about in there. Whenever we experience things in life that we don't like, it's easy to become thankless. Whenever life is great and I haven't had a financial surprise in a while, I can be pretty grateful for what we have. I can feel thankful. Oh, yes, thank you, God, for our house and, you know, that we have cars and that we're able to have transportation. We don't have to walk everywhere. But then when something happens, I can easily shift into, well, I'm no longer grateful that I have a car. I'm just mad that the car is 18 years old and breaks down. Right? See, life throws us all kinds of different things. We can't control the circumstances that life throws at us, but we can control how we respond to those circumstances. So today, the title of this message is Choosing to Be Thankful. All over Scripture... There are multiple verses that we're going to read today. And actually, I figured since I didn't get to preach last week and Pastor Gabriel introed this series, I'm going to use every single verse in the Bible that talks about being thankful so he has nothing to preach the rest of the time. So we're going to read a lot of scripture today. But all over scripture, we see things like be thankful in every circumstance. Rejoice when you face trials. See, scripture demands, scripture commands us, demands us to be thankful no matter what life throws at us. So today we're going to talk about choosing to be thankful, even when we're experiencing the difficulties of life. Uh, one of our sons, he loves, loves, loves ramen noodles. Uh, I'm not a big ramen noodle fan. I think anything that costs less than a dollar probably isn't good for you, but he loves it. We were at the store and we're shopping and I told my wife, I was like, you know what? Not only does he love ramen noodles, but he loves spicy ramen. So let me buy the spicy ramen for him. Uh, so when we bring it home, you know, I know he'll be excited. And I don't know, it's like $2, twice the price. Brooke's like, we can't do that. It's twice the price. I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. I was like, it's two bucks, you know? So I was like, I'm going to get it. And so I bring home the spicy ramen and we come in and I was like, hey, bud, we got, I got you a surprise. And, you know, he's like, what, what, what? Did you give me an Xbox? Like, No. Like, we're at the grocery store. I got you spicy ramen. And his face lit up like it was Christmas morning. He was so excited. He goes, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dad, thank you. Oh, and then he, like, jumps. He's like, thank you. And I'm like, dude, it was like two bucks, you know, like, calm down. He was so grateful 
that I thought about him, that I got something for him, and then he promptly went, put it in the microwave, and he ate it right then and there. He was so excited. And it caused me to think, I wonder how many times God does little things for us that we don't even stop to say thank you. Not only do we not even stop to say thank you, I think sometimes God does a lot of little things for us that we don't even recognize that he did those for us. Or we even think like, yeah, I deserve that. There's been different stages in my life where I really felt I deserved something. Because of my hard work, because of my talent, because of whatever, I felt like I deserved this thing. So when it happened, I wasn't even grateful that I achieved it or attained it. I was just proud, like, yeah, well, I deserve that. Whenever we look at our lives that we have now, it's easy, especially in American culture, to look at whatever we have, our jobs, our house, you know, whatever, and just think, like, well, I deserve that. Instead of realizing that every good thing we have comes from God. So today we're going to be, you know, talking about being thankful the next few weeks, but today we're really going to focus on how we choose to do this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. And uh, I apologize, my voice is still not 100% there. So I'm sitting, I'm talking instead of like preaching this morning. So you're just going to have to listen uh, like you were in school again. And I know that's been a long time for a lot of us, but I believe in you. You can do it. Verse 15. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Verse 16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Then verse 18. Be thankful In all circumstances, in all circumstances, be thankful. I went to the hospital last night, uh, visited Colt, visited also uh, Sarah, uh, Josh, one of our worship leaders. Their daughter's in the hospital as well. They're both at Children's. I went last night uh, to bring them cookies that I had no part in. Brooke did all that. All I did was drive there. Uh, But I went to see them, and both of them expressed while I was there, you know, both families, Perry and Josh and Michelle, all three just expressed like, man, we're, we're just thankful that, that we're here. We're thankful the doctors did. We're thankful that it wasn't worse. It could have been so much worse. It's like, man, I was sitting in my house 10 days ago, frustrated about the AC going out, and I was not thankful whatsoever. But I, my kid wasn't even in the hospital. The AC had just gone out. And here I am, they're in the hospital, and they're just so grateful that things aren't Worse. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. See, God, God directs us to be thankful. He directs us to be grateful for what he's done for us. And it's not because God's like some kind of glory hog, that he just wants glory and wants affirmation. It's because God knows the power of living grateful. God knows the peace, the contentment, the confidence, the fulfillment that comes whenever we understand the power of thank you whenever we live our lives with an attitude of gratitude. How cheesy is that saying? But it's it's still a good one. Living with an attitude of gratitude. Living our life thankful. You know, expressing thankfulness is a pivotal part of pursuing Jesus. It's a pivotal part of pursuing Jesus. Expressing thankfulness, saying thank you to God for what he's done for us, is right up there with praying. He says, never stop praying. Always be joyful, be thankful in all circumstances. Paul writes, he's like, look, these things are on the same plane here. So we're going to talk about choosing to be thankful. And I'm going to read an excerpt from uh, one of my favorite little books. Uh, There's a pastor and author named Max Lucado. And uh, I really like Max's writings. Uh, He has a book called Before Amen, 
Uh, it's a book on prayer. He kind of walks through the Lord's Prayer and uh, breaks it down into simple bite-sized pieces called The Pocket Prayer. It's a really, really cool book. But I'm going to read you an excerpt from this where it really talks about the, the power of, of being grateful. And he says, if you choose gratitude, will your world be different? In whatever circumstance you're facing right now, good or bad, if you choose gratitude, will your world be different? And he writes, I'm thankful, and he goes through this list, an ABC list. He says, I'm thankful, A, for Andy. Andy is the dog my wife and I rescued from the shelter. Rangy as a coyote when we got him. He's chubby now. He jumps into bed with us every morning and scampers through the yard like a deer in the pasture when we come home. I'm thankful for B, bald spots. I was standing in line in a convenience store when I spotted one on the security screen, and I thought, that guy's losing his hair. Then I realized that guy was me. My bald spot is spreading like a rain puddle. Might as well be grateful. Besides, bald spot starts with a B. C, chocolate. Chocolate starts with a C, so I'm grateful for chocolate. Chocolate cookies, candy, cakes, and shakes. Chocolate would have kept Adam and Eve away from the tree, I'm sure of it. D, dictionaries. Someone has to define words. If dog meant cat, you know, D-O-G meant cat to you and rat to me, we wouldn't know which one to catch and which one to pet. I'm thankful for dictionaries. I'm also thankful for E, exercises like this. It was my wife's idea. Alphabetize your blessings. Rather than catalog your burdens, itemize the benefits you have. The sure cure for the grumpy spirit. A, Andy. B, bald spots. C, chocolate. D, dictionary. Although as I write this, it dawns on me that my wife's name starts with the D. And the next time I make a list, my wife trumps dictionaries. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a lesson of this exercise. We never run out of reasons to say thank you. Thanks. Just the word lifts the spirit. To say thanks is to celebrate a gift. Something, anything, animals, bald spots, chocolate, and yes, dictionaries, but most importantly, my wife. What's this? To say thanks is to cross the tracks from the have not to the have much, from the excluded to the recruited. Thanks proclaims, I am not disadvantaged, disabled, victimized, scandalized, forgotten, or ignored. I am blessed. Gratitude is a dialysis of sorts. It flushes the self-pity out of our systems. In Scripture, the idea of giving thanks is not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's a command. It carries the same weight as love your neighbor and give to the poor. More than a hundred times, either by imperative or example, the Bible commands us to be thankful. If quantity implies gravity, God takes thanksgiving very seriously. Here's why. Because ingratitude is the original sin. Adam and Eve had a million reasons in the garden to give thanks. Adam and Eve could eat from all the other trees, but Satan focused on the one single fruit that they could not touch. Eat it, he hissed, and you will be like God. Just like that, Eden and all its blessings and all its benefits, Eden wasn't enough. It was enough, mind you. Ecological harmony, relational purity, spiritual peace, Adam and Eve had all they would ever need. God had told them, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth, all the fruit trees for your food. They had their very own produce section. 
But there could be more, suggested the devil, gesturing to the shiny, glimmering delicacy that lay just across the boundary line. And with that thought, there could be more, Eve felt the first flush of discontent. Rather than ponder the garden of fruit that she had, she examined the one that God forbade. Discontent moved in like a bully on the block. But what if gratitude had won the day? Had they chosen gratitude for all of their blessings, how would life be different for all of humanity? If you choose gratitude, will your world be different? Oh, the hissing that we hear. Don't you want more, more horsepower, more gigabytes, more legroom, more testosterone? Jesus was robustly thankful. He was thankful when Mary interrupted the party with perfume, when he hugged children and blessed babies and watched blind people look at their first sunsets. Jesus was thankful. When the disciples returned from their first mission trip, Jesus rejoiced and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Thank you. If you choose gratitude, will your world be different? Or maybe even what in your world would be different if you chose to be thankful? What would be different? See, in life, things happen. We can't control what happens, but we can control our response. We can control how we react. Will you choose to be thankful or thankless? We're going to look for a minute at what it looks like to choose thanklessness. Right, if you were thankless. See, thankless or ingratitude says, I want it now. Ingratitude, being thankless, says, I want it now. Have you ever felt this way about something? Like, I just, I want it right now, and I got to have it. And I can't wait. It's got to happen right now. Over this past summer, uh, we did something we hadn't done yet with our boys, and that is we, uh, I, I gave them a proposition. All right, I said, okay. Before the summer begins, if you guys want to mow the grass all summer long, I will pay you to mow the grass. But here's how this works. I'm going to pay you $7.50 for the front yard and $7.50 for the backyard. We have a pretty large yard. And I said, and if you mow the yard, I will pay you, but you cannot receive the payment until you've accrued $45. So they got to mow the yard, you know, either the front six times, the back six times, or like the whole yard three times before you can get paid. And so they were like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, they were like, we can earn money. My kids are always wanting to earn money. Like, yeah, you can earn money. This is great. They're excited. They went out and they mowed the grass and they came in and was like, can I have my money? It's like, no, here here was the agreement. You got to mow enough until you earn $45. They would instantly come inside after mowing the grass and look online at all the things that they could buy for $7.50. And then when they'd earned 15, they'd come in and look and they would beg, dad, dad, can I please, can you just buy this on Amazon for me? Can you just buy this at Target for me? And I'll pay you whenever I get paid. I said, no, you have to wait until you have the money in your pocket before you can spend it. So time would go by. You know, and each kid, you know, would experience different things. They'd go to camp or mission trip. They'd be exhausted and tired. They don't want to mow the grass. And I'm like, you committed to mow the grass. The grass is long. Mom is really going to be upset if you don't get out there and mow it. You know, because I I don't care that much. Some people do. I'm not one of those people. Brooke is. She loves when the yard is mowed. I'm like, whatever. HOA, I don't care. You know, send me a letter, dead gummit. But 
you know, it's not. So I'm like, no, you got to do it. You committed. Get out there and mow the lawn. They're like, Dad, come on. I just wanted. And it's almost like they would forget what they wanted. Right. And then weeks would go by. I'd say, okay, you've accrued your $45, and I'd give them the $45 that they had earned. And all those things that they had to have in that moment had been lost and forgotten because they weren't important at all. You know, that extra, like those Orbeez guns, bullets, or whatever those things are, like those aren't important anymore because that was $7.50. Now you got $45. There are a lot more things you can buy with that. So now they're no longer searching for $15 things that they have to have. But this idea of like, I want it now. Did you know we have an entire industry and there are billions and billions of dollars built around this sort of thing that as in Western culture, in American culture, we want it now. Well, I can't afford it, but I can still buy it. I can put it on that credit card and I'll end up paying like $800 more than what it's worth because of all the interest I'm going to accrue by making those minimum payments. But I got to have it right now. When we are thankless, we easily get into this mindset of, I want it now. Next part of being thankless says, well, I deserve more. Well, I deserve more. You know, there's a story I heard many years ago, and it rang true uh, with so many areas of my life. And it's the story of a couple. uh, They're a young married couple. They just had their first kid. You know, both of them have careers. Life is going well. They've purchased a house. They love their house. They love their life. They love their cars. You know, they love their kids. Everything is just going great. They found a new church. And when they get a part of the church, they get invited to a small group. They're like, this is great. Church is great. Life is great. We're going to go to this small group in these other people's house. We're so excited to build these relationships. They start driving to the other person's house. And as they're on their way, they're just like smiling, like this is so exciting. You know, there's that nervous excitement about going to small group and life is good. And as I start driving to this, this other couple's house, they enter into their neighborhood. And they start looking like, man, this is a nice neighborhood. This is really nice. Like these houses have really big yards. And they keep going and they have to enter into a gate. And they're like, they have a gate. We don't have a gate. And then they see the yard like, man, these yards are big. We don't have, our yard's not that big. And they get to the, they drive up to the house. They pull in. It's like, man, this house is huge. Look at this house. They go in and the couple invites them. They're like, hey, we're so excited you're here. And the whole time they're just thinking, man, this house is amazing. Their clothes are amazing. Their kids are amazing. Even their dogs are amazing. Their cats. Nope. Just kidding. Cats can't be amazing. Cats are terrible. They should all just die. But they're like, hey, that's fine. If you're a cat person. It's, it's totally cool. Uh, but if I come in contact with a cat, we're just not going to be friends. All right? Uh, not me and the cat, me and you. No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. Me and the cat. Uh, just, I don't like cats. So but they come over there like, everything's amazing. And then on the way home, this couple that used to be so grateful for all the blessings they had and all the things that God had given them were now talking like, man, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you? And now all this ingratitude begins to set in. They're like, well, that couple's about the same age. They got married about the same time. Why don't we have what they have? We deserve what they have. Now, as this story goes, you know, it's when you think about how people live and everything, you know, we choose the, how we spend our money. 
And they might have had the same income, and one person just chose to be in tons of debt. The other one chose to not be in tons of debt. Like, we don't know the circumstances. But what happens is the enemy will easily come in, creep in, and will say, look at that, the surface of that person's life. Since you don't have that, you should be ungrateful for what you do have because you deserve more. Living thankless says, not only do I want it now, but I deserve more. In Acts chapter 20, we're going to look here at something that uh, uh, Paul says to the Ephesian elders, and he's speaking to them knowing it's the last time they will ever talk. See, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit has already revealed to Paul that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested, and it's not going to go great, so he knows he's never going to go back uh, to Ephesus. He's never going to see the Ephesian elders again. So these are his parting words to them that he's going to say. And oftentimes when I think about, for, for me personally, you know, I've been a pastor for many years, and I think about like, well, what I deserve, lots of times it's ministry related or it's service related. Well, I sacrificially served this many things and I did X, Y, and Z. So I deserve this or that. Well, I deserve this or I deserve that because I served and I worked hard. And when I read Acts chapter 20, if I think of anyone who has given their life for the cause of Christ and could stand up and say, I deserve to be treated a certain way, it would be Paul. We're going to read here what Paul says, his parting words to the Ephesian elders and his perspective on life. Verse 33, he says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. Coveted means that I looked at someone else, saw what they had, and I wanted it to the point of sin. I'm coveting what they have. I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked hard to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. Paul doesn't say, I've been beaten. I've been stoned to the point of death. I've been cast out of communities, run out of towns, thrown into prison. I deserve a big church. I deserve for God to bless me with X, Y, and Z. I deserve this or I deserve that. He says, I've never looked at someone else's possessions and coveted them. I've been an example of what it means to work hard. And here's what I've learned through all of that. I'm more blessed when I give than when I receive. He's living grateful. Thankless says, I've done this, God, so you should give me what I want. Because I've done this for you. I've prayed. I've done. I've served. I worked in kids ministry. You know, I held babies. I stood out in the hot sun and set up for the fall festival. You know, when it was 87,000 degrees and it was fall and supposed to be 50 degrees and nice. So, God, I deserve that promotion. Whatever it may be. He says, no, no, no. It's more blessed. Standing out there and serving is more blessed than receiving. We're entering into the uh, Christmas season. And we always try to instill this idea into our kids that it's more blessed to give gifts than it is to receive. They don't get it yet. If your kids do, you're just better parents. All right. So that's what living thankless looks like. We're going to spend a few minutes here. What does it look like to live thankful? How do we do this? How do we choose to live thankful?
how do we experience whatever life throws at us and still be grateful for what we have? Number one, we find areas of ingratitude and discontentment. Sometimes we have to search. We have to do an internal uh, you know, stock of our own heart, of our mind, of our lives, and find those areas that cause the ingratitude. It might be material or financial. It might be, well, I've worked for years and I thought we'd be in a better place financially. I thought I'd have more in retirement. I thought I would have some sort of retirement savings, you know, whatever it may be. It might be material. Like I don't have that car. I don't have this car. Uh, These people, you know, they drive those kind of cars and that truck is great, but my truck's old or whatever it may be. Like we have to find those areas in our life. It might be material. It might be financial. It might be relational. Sometimes in life, uh, you know, Brooke and I, we've, we've moved at different places. We've moved around the country. We've lived in Colorado and Oregon and California, Texas and Alabama. And there's been times in our life where, uh, well, pretty much all these moves were because we felt like, you know, God was calling us somewhere for ministry-related activities to start a church or take over a church or be a youth pastor somewhere. And since we left Texas in 2006, seven. 2007, uh, that was the last time we lived by any family. So we haven't lived by family since 2007. And so there's been different times in our life where our area of ingratitude and discontentment was relational, that our family didn't live by us. And we look at other people that, they're, you know, the grandparents were just next door or down the road. And some of you are like, I wish my grandparents lived like 800 miles away. But we were like, we just wanted some help sometimes. When you got four kids, you're like, we just need somebody to help us. Somebody's got to drive this kid over there. So Maddie, uh, our oldest, got her driver's license last year. It's a game changer, people. It's a game changer. Maddie, go get some milk from the store. I don't want to. I pay for your gas. I didn't ask you if you wanted to. It's awesome. But you got to find those areas of ingratitude. It might be relational. Well, we just don't have friends like those people have friends. We don't have, you know, I don't still hang out with my high school friends like they do. They have this community that we don't have. We can look and we can begin to get very discontent with where we're at. Instead of being grateful for what we do have, the opportunity to make new friends, to be a part of a church family of people who care about one another, who will gladly step in and be friends with us. We have to find those areas. It might be circumstantial. You know, I might be very real. All right. There are some people that desperately want children that have never been able to have children. It is really hard to be thankful when you're living in that circumstance. There are people that were given a six foot five frame and that play professional baseball, and that wasn't given to me. That's not as hard, right? Like sometimes, like, oh, I, don't, I wish I was doing this. And I was like, man, some people, they desperately want children, and they're not able to have children. But God says, be grateful, thankful in, in, in all circumstances. Sometimes we have to find those areas, it might be circumstantial. You know, I've said this before, I have type 1 diabetes. I have to be careful that I don't become thankless about the things I do have in my life because I have to give myself an injection of insulin a few times a day. But I have to look at those areas of discontentment, those, find those areas of ingratitude and begin to weed them out. Understand that they trigger things in me. You know, like I said, there are those major areas of stress in my life. Financial uh, surprises are one of those. When something breaks, that's going to cost me like five hundred, a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars, or whatever it's going to be. Like those are very stressful times for me. I have to recognize that when that stuff happens, 
I can become very discontent. Even though when I look, I have so many reasons, so many reasons to be thankful. So many reasons. I could list a bunch of stuff. But I can easily focus on the one thing, like Adam and Eve did in the garden, the one thing that I don't have instead of focusing on all the things I do have. So we've got to find what those areas are. Number two, choosing to live thankful. We have to choose to live with open hands instead of closed fists. Now, what does this mean? This is a, it's a mindset and it's an attitude that we have to shift in our lives. Living closed fists means that I believe that everything that comes to me is for my benefit. My job, my income, you know, my gifts, my talents, whatever they may be. My kid, everything that comes to me is for my benefit and I hold on to it with a closed fist. No, it's mine. Some of us is like, well, I deserved it. I earned it. You know, I worked hard for this and I did this and I went to school for 1800 years so that I could be a doctor and now I get to keep this money and blah, 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 blah. Or I went and did this and I worked hard and now whatever. So it's mine. I worked harder and it's mine. Or sometimes it's God gave this to me and it's mine. God blessed me with this and it's mine. So I hold on to it closed fist and no one's going to take it from me. And if someone comes and tries to take it from me, I'm going to hold on to it and I'm holding it close and they can't get it. Versus the mindset of living open-handed. Everything that comes to me is for the benefit of someone else. Everything that I've worked for, everything that I pursue, everything that God has given to me, I'm going to live my life open-handed. So whatever comes to me, yeah, it's for me, but it's also for others. It's so that I can be a blessing. God said that he was going to bless Abraham so that Abraham could be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. It's living open hands that what I have isn't mine to hold on to and cling tight to. It's mine to give away. Uh, There's a a man in our church growing up. uh, His name was Ken. Ken Pierce. Uh, He was a wonderful man uh, in my life, a, a huge influence. But he used to always talk about the stuff that he has. And he would always say, I own my stuff. My stuff doesn't own me. This idea of whenever we live closed fish, saying, if whatever I own, if it owns me, then I don't let people borrow it. I don't let people touch it. I don't let people get anywhere near it because I'm holding on to it. And then what in, what in fact happens is it begins to own me because the stuff that I've accrued dictates my life, dictates my mindset. It owns me. He says, no, no, I own my stuff. So he freely gives it away. He's living open-handed. Like, well, I've been given this so that I can be a blessing to others. Now, Ken had a boat. It was a nice boat. And people would ask to borrow his boat. And he would say, yes. I don't know if I'd do that. I've hung, on, I've hung out with some of you. I wouldn't trust you with my boat. I don't have a boat. But if I did, I don't know if I'd let you borrow it. Choosing to live grateful says, all this stuff I have I'm going to live open-handed. Okay, God, if you impress it upon me to to give this or to give that, I'll do it. You know, inflation, it sucks. Okay? Stinks. Sorry, if that's too, you know what? I don't like it. We have four children, okay? They eat lots of food. 
too much food. We can't buy enough food for these kids. Our grocery budget just ballooned in the past couple years. I mean, ballooned. It went from hundreds to thousands per month. They eat a lot, okay? A whole, and they're just getting bigger. So it's like, it's kind of a combination of our family of like our kids moved into teenager, our, our boys especially like kind of grew up while groceries were going up. So there became a very real time in our lives, multiple month period where the margin that we used to have in our finances to be a blessing to others was leaving. Just the margin was leaving. And so I caught myself when Brooke's like, hey, should we have that family over? Should we invite them over? And I was like, ah, we don't have it in the grocery budget to invite anyone over to the house. So no. Some of you laugh. You're like, oh, that's funny. How ridiculous. Others of you that do the budget, you're like, yeah, it's not in the budget. You can't have them over. So we had to make some adjustments in our life so that we could live open-handed instead of closed fist. We had to look at some of the things in our life that maybe we didn't have to spend money on, some areas that we could cut, so that we could live with the freedom and the peace of mind that if God impresses on us to invite this family over for dinner, invite them out, or to, or to bless someone, that we could do that. Sometimes living closed fists versus open hand it's a lifestyle choice. We don't even understand we're making. We don't understand that we're making this choice. But living grateful says, whatever I've been given, I'm so grateful for it. And I also know that it's been given to me by God so that I can bless other people. Number three, choosing to be thankful is we praise God for every good thing. Choosing to be thankful causes us to praise God for every good thing. Luke chapter 17, there's a story here, verse 11 through 19. And I'm just going to skip down to verse 17, Maddie. You can just get to verse 17. Basically, there, there's 10 lepers and Jesus heals them. He says, go to the priests, go show yourselves to the priests that, that you're made whole. So uh, the historical context here in Israelite culture those that had leprosy, they were ostracized. They were cast out from the community. They didn't live inside the city. They lived outside the city. And in order for them to be able to be integrated back into society, brought back into the cultural family, to their very real immediate you know, blood family, but also into the cultural family, they had to go and be presented to a priest, and a priest had to deem them clean. They were no longer unclean. Now they're clean. So Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Because then, while they do that, they'll be healed. The priest will bless them back into the community. Verse 16. I'm sorry, Maddie. Verse 16. So, one of the ten comes back. And in verse 16, one of the ten threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. I don't have time to get into the context of that. But there's some deep theological understanding here that the one who thanked Jesus was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asks, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Haven't we all done this before? We've received a blessing from God. We were happy, ecstatic. I mean, these lepers, they were, they were joyful. They were so glad to be healed. 
haven't we done this? We've received a blessing, but we just never stop to express our gratitude to God, to say thank you for what you've given to me. You know, we need to spend time thanking God for every good gift that we have. Every good gift that you have in your life has been given to you from God. Every single one. If that stings a little, if, if, you, if you're honest with yourself and you, sing, and you hear every single thing good in your life was given to you from God, if that just kind of stings because you think, nah, I worked pretty hard for these things. I earned, fill in the blank to that, I earned this. Then there's still some perspectives that need to shift in your heart. And I'll be honest, there's at times in my life where I've heard every good gift is from God. And I thought, yeah, not all of them. Some of these, I, I did. I did this because of my talent, because of my intellect, because of my work ethic, whatever it is, I achieved, I attained. And so that would, this statement would sting everything I have. Not everything. I worked for these things. Then if I stop and begin to think, okay, well, if I earned it because of my talents, well, God gave me that. That wasn't like something that I did on my own. If it was my intellect, like, well, God gave me that. If it was my work ethic, it was like, well, you could say that my parents, teachers, and God all imparted those things. See, all these things that we even think that we did on our own are really just uh, a combination of the other influences and God's influence in our life. Every good gift, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Craig Groeschel, an author uh, and pastor, wrote a book called Alter Ego, and he puts it this way. Every blessing I don't turn back to praise turns into pride. Every blessing that I don't turn back into praise turns into pride. He writes this. He says, we think we earned it, deserved it, are worthy of it. All of that is pride. And pride breaks God's heart. Among other things, pride is a God repellent. He opposes the proud. The good news is that God gives grace to the humble. Just as pride disgusts God, praise delights him. Turn your blessings into praise. Instead of complaining about your older car, you can thank God every day that you have transportation. If your house is always a wreck, you can thank God that you have a family, kids, and toys, and a dog. He didn't write that, but I'm just adding that in. Because every day I walk around my house, and I'm like, the dog did that, the dog did that. Why do we even have this dog? We don't have a cat. That ain't happening. But if you have cats, that's great. If they make a mess, just get rid of them. Uh, dogs, you want to keep. Cats, there's no need. Craig Rochelle says, if you feel like you're always been busy running from one place to another, you can thank God that you're healthy, needed, and have the ability to live an active, productive life. If your house is small, you can thank God that you have a refrigerator, a bed, and running water. If you don't like your job, wake up every day and remember all the people who would kill to just have a job. Then, thank God he has provided you with what you need 
See, perspective is everything. God said that he will supply all of our needs, not all of our wants. I think a lot of ingratitude, being thankless, can boil down to needs and wants. When we don't have what we want, we forget to be grateful that we have what we need. Forgiveness, salvation, it's our greatest need. So if you don't have anything else to be grateful for in your life, you can always be grateful that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he paid the price for you. If you choose gratitude, will your world be different? Being thankless leads to strife. Being thankless leads to envy. Being thankless leads to pride. Being thankful leads to peace. Being thankful leads to joy, leads to contentment. Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes, Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Love binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. My challenge for us is throughout the month of November and December is to always be thankful. No matter what life throws at you, remember to be thankful. I'd also challenge us maybe throughout this season to start a thankful journal. You can do it like Max Lucado did where you itemize your blessings, A, B, C. It's an easy way to start. Or it might just be that's too much for you. Maybe you can just write one or two things. It could be in the notes section of your phone. If you have an Android, whatever it's called on the Android phones, I don't know. Is it still notes? Anyone? Anybody has Android? Good for you. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Whatever it is on your phone, whatever the area, you can just make a little note. God, I'm thankful today that I woke up. I'm thankful for the sunshine. I'm thankful that it's fall. I'm thankful for the leaves changing colors. I'm thankful that I have a job. I'm thankful for scripture. I'm thankful that you didn't just leave us alone to figure this out, but you gave us your word as a guide. God, I'm thankful for your son. I'm thankful that you've saved me. I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful uh, for the this and this and this that you brought me through in my life. I'm thankful from the times that when I was sick that you brought healing. I'm thankful that I got to speak to my grandfather on the phone before he passed away. I'm thankful for whatever it is in your life. I'm thankful for these moments and just begin to start that journal. And on the first day, I think even the first day you'll start to see your perspective begin to shift. But by day 10, I really believe by day 10, if you're living with thankfulness, with gratitude at the center, the beginning of your day, and you can look over what you've written, your outlook on what God has given you will begin to change drastically. See if you're not closer to Jesus and if you're not more content after making a gratitude journal. Would you stand with me this morning? And if you have a cat, you can even write, I'm thankful for my cats. That's great. You're allowed to love your cats. I am thankful that I don't have cats. And that my wife doesn't want a cat. That's also a good thing. Because if she wanted a cat, we'd probably have a cat. 
And I would hate it even more. But write down whatever you're thankful for. Would you close your eyes this morning? We're going to pray. As we pray, our prayer team is going to come up front. And we're going to have people up front here that are ready to pray for you. Maybe you're in here and you're going through one of those circumstances that it's just really hard to be grateful in this moment. It is real. I've been there so many times where I've heard a message like this and I'd say, I, I, right now, I just can't even begin to think about being thankful because this is happening in my life. Because this is going wrong. And we want to pray for you. Our prayer team is here just to pray for you, whatever's going on in your life. Maybe you have family members who are sick. Maybe you've been sick. Maybe you have job situation or maybe it's financial, whatever it is. They just want to pray for you this morning. But before they do that, I want to pray over us. Heavenly Father, I pray that over the next few weeks, God, those of us that have just allowed pride to creep in, feeling that we've deserved, that we deserve something and that we've earned something that you've given to us, I pray that through the practice of saying thank you, you begin to break off the discontentment. You begin to break off the ingratitude. You begin to break off the strife and envy and pride. And we begin to experience that joy and that peace that comes from you. God, I pray for those in here that are facing very difficult, very real circumstances that are, are trying to, to snuff out the joy and the contentment, the peace the gratitude, the little slimmer of gratitude that they have left. God, I pray that even in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of that stress, that you would meet them this morning and show them that you are still on the throne, that you are still good. Now we always have reason to be thankful because even if this life on this earth ends, when we place our faith in you, it's not the end. We can be grateful for eternal life of joy, of peace, of fulfillment. And when we, lose, when we lose loved ones and we're going through the process of grief, we can be thankful that our loved ones are with you and they're not experiencing the pain. They're not experiencing the hurt anymore. God, this morning we stand before you and we say thank you. We say thank you for the little things. We say thank you for the big things. In Jesus' name.